Let us turn together this morning to the book of Luke, chapter 6. Our text this morning is Luke, chapter 6, the first 11 verses. A story of two controversies. Two controversies on the Lord's Day. If you would please give attention to the reading of God's holy word. The Word of the Lord is completely authoritative. The Word of the Lord is completely sufficient. And the Word of the Lord is completely without error. Luke chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. On a Sabbath, while he was going through the grain fields... His disciples plucked and ate some ears of corn, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, Why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence? which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those with him. And he said to them, The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. And he rose and stood there. And Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? To save life or to destroy it? And after looking around at them all, he said to them, he said to him, stretch out your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored. But they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray for his blessing upon it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask this morning that You would reach us by Your Word. That by the power of Your Holy Spirit, You would bring Your Word down into our hearts. That You would show us, O Lord, Your promises. That You would show us, O Lord, our need for repentance. And that You would show us, O Lord the glories of the Lord Jesus Christ. For it is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, the world has changed, hasn't it? There are a good many things that are different from previous generations, our parents' generation, our grandparents' generation. 
One of the things amongst many that has changed is Sunday. Sunday used to be a day when the world stopped. When stores were not open. When even restaurants were closed. It was an opportunity to relax and not have to worry about if you were scheduled for work. Not have to worry about keeping up with the things that drive us so crazy during the week. And it's easy to see how that could bother us that that has changed. We even see it on on days that aren't Sunday. How many of us are downright annoyed by what Thanksgiving has become? You know, it used to be that the stores would open sometime on the day after Thanksgiving. Then it became the crack of dawn. Then it became the technical matter of 1201. A.M. And now this past year, stores were open in all of their glory throughout Thanksgiving Day. Maybe for some of us it provided opportunity to do some extra shopping, but for many of us, we may have had friends or relatives or even we could not enjoy Thanksgiving because we were compelled to work. And so as we think about Sunday, that can be our attitude. Why have other people ruined Sunday? Why do they have to do all of these things? Look at all of the things that they do that are unnecessary and are wrong. This is an easy thing. It comes quickly to our hearts. And it's deceptive because it is built upon the great truth of the gift of the Lord's Day that God has given to His people. But we must be careful because if we are zealous in the wrong direction for the Lord's Day. Our day can be filled with complaining about others and wondering what they are doing rather than seeking the One who has given us a day to rest and contemplate Him. And so this morning we look at two incidents that Good Dr. Luke records for us. There are two controversies. The first controversy occurs in the field. Then there is a second controversy of the healed hand. And both of these controversies show us at their heart who the Lord of the Lord's Day is. Well, let's begin then by looking at what Luke is doing here in chapter 6. Now, you have to remember the context. God has created the Sabbath day. And the word Sabbath simply means in Hebrew, rest or resting. He created it by resting on the seventh day of creation. Now, have you ever thought or wondered why He did so? Do you think it was because God was tired? Do you think he needed a vacation from being God? No. Of course not. We know this is not the case, and we know it with certainty because right now, as we sit here, you and I are breathing. Unless God remains at work at all times, this world will not stay together. 
It is by the grace of God that the sun hangs in the sky at the perfect distance. It is by the grace of God that our temperature and weather patterns are that they are. It is by the grace of God that the very molecules that make up our being do not fly apart. No, it is not that God needed rest. It is not that God needed a break. God intentionally rested after His work of creation for the benefit of His people. And when He told His people, as they were at Mount Sinai, that they needed one day in seven to take a break from focusing upon themselves and their daily needs and to trust God, He gave them the pattern of His own rest. What better way to encourage us to obey than for God to say, I have done this myself. You see, the purpose of the Lord's Day, the purpose of the Sabbath was not merely not to work. That's just a component of it. The purpose of the Lord's Day was to focus our minds that are so busy looking down to look up. To look to the One who is the giver of the day. God takes His Sabbath very seriously. If you look in the Old Testament at the book of Second Kings and the book of Second Chronicles, you will see that Israel was sent into exile and as Jeremiah warned them, the main charge against them was not keeping the Lord's Sabbath. So you could imagine what would happen when the people come back from exile. What would they say? Remember, these are people like you and me. They go and they read and they study their Bibles and they say, Jeremiah said, we didn't keep the Sabbath. That's why we were sent into exile. By golly, let's double keep the Sabbath. We don't want that to ever happen to us again. Babylon was horrible. We don't ever want that to happen. Let's do everything we can to make sure we keep the Sabbath as well as we can. That seems natural, doesn't it? It seems commonsensical. It's something that you or I would do. When we understand that, that gives us a little bit of a glimpse into the humanity of the Pharisees. A little bit of a glimpse into how they, perish the thought, are like us. You see, they were zealous for God's Sabbath. They did not want punishment visited upon them. And they took it upon themselves to make sure that it never happened again. So enter our Lord and His disciples at the beginning of Luke 6. And they are out for a walk. Now, now what are they doing? We know they are out walking together as a group on the Sabbath day. You see, what they were doing was they were working hard for the Lord. They were going from place to place, as Jesus' custom was, teaching others, Perhaps even our Lord was healing others, encouraging others, telling people about the goodness and grace of God. They were working hard. Many of you know this quite well. You work hard on the Lord's Day in the nursery, practicing with your instrument, preparing refreshments, showing people to their seats, teaching Sunday school. It's the work of ministry. Although there is a pause in our day, 
We are all here together, aren't we? It's not a day just to spend lounging on the couch. And this is what Jesus was doing with his disciples. And as they were working very hard, what happened to them is what often happens. They got hungry. And you have to understand what's going on here is they were working so hard in the ministry of the Lord that they didn't even stop to go to a place to sit down and eat. What they may have said to each other is, you know, we've got to get to the next place. There's a field here. Why don't we just grab a couple of stalks of grain and just get a quick something to eat on our way? Now, they would know that this was lawful. It's actually written in God's law in the book of Leviticus that you are permitted to go through someone's field and to pick stalks of grain. You can't go with an instrument and try and do it writ large, taking half their field with you, but no one's going to miss a few stalks of grain. Now, remember the context here. It's not like they said, you know, what we really need to do is stop here and build a pizza oven and make ourselves a great pizza and relax. Have any of you ever gone through a field and picked stalks and ate them? If you have... It's not exactly filet mignon, is it? So it's not like what they were trying to do was to take advantage. All they were trying to do was to do the bare minimum so that they could keep on the Lord's business. And they they take these stalks of grain and it's almost like a cartoon. They take the stalks of grain, they rub it, and they put it in their mouth and kapow! The Pharisees jump out. What are you doing? We saw you. You were walking through there. Where's the grain? Let me see it. Were you rubbing it? How hard were you rubbing it? How many pieces did you put in your mouth? Seriously. Now, do, do we wonder about this? This, you know, the, the Pharisees had appointed themselves the Sabbath police. And they're spending their Sabbath following Jesus and his people around to try and see if they can catch them doing work. Does that strike anyone else as odd? You see, they make this accusation. They know they can't accuse Jesus of stealing because he's following God's word to the letter. What he's not following, though, is the rules. You know what the rules are, right? Some of you are rule followers. Some of you are rule breakers. Many of us understand the rules best by thinking about mom. Mom has rules in the house, doesn't she? Thou shalt not leave the dinner table without cleansing thy dish. Thou shalt not leave the restroom without shutting off thine light. All of the rules, just things that we understand and we have throughout all of our lives, they're not really even written down, but we know that we face fury and wrath if we break them. This was what the Pharisees did, because you see, Like many people, they looked at the Bible and they saw in Exodus chapter 20 that we were not supposed to work. We read it this morning. You shall not labor on the Sabbath. And they said to themselves, well, what does it mean to labor? Well, lest you think that these gentlemen fly by the seat of their pants, they had developed what it meant to labor. They actually had 39 categories of work with various and numerous subcategories 
under the categories of work. There were elaborate rules. So you could carry things, but only up to a certain size. You could walk, but after a certain distance, it became a work journey. And so they were the ones who had established these rules. And these rules became like they were written in Exodus themselves. And so you have to imagine the disciples walking through and picking a stalk of grain and rubbing it in their fingers. Our good reporter Luke gives us that detail in an emphatic spot. They rub it in their fingers and they take the seed and pop it in their mouth. And the Pharisees say, you have just done four jobs. What? Yes, when you picked the grain, you were reaping. You mean like if I had an animal and a big sickle and a farm truck? Yes. Okay. And when you rubbed it in your fingers, you were threshing and winnowing. You mean like when there's a mill and they take huge stacks of grain and throw it up in the air to winnow it? Yes, exactly. That's exactly what you're doing. Anything else? Yes, a fourth way. When you put that into your mouth, you were preparing food. What? Yes, four ways you have labored. It's in our categories. Look right here in Mishnah chapter 8. Wow. You see, they had all of the details. They figured out what was going on and what was working. But you see, what they were doing was they were trying to find a violation. That's why they were straining. They're straining at the gnat of rubbing a piece of grain and swallowing the camel of spending the Sabbath spying on people. But I think it's also interesting to see what Jesus does here. Jesus gives them a purposeful answer. Now, what does Jesus not do? Jesus does not do what many in the 21st century evangelical church would do. He doesn't look at the Pharisees and say, Guys, don't you realize that I've come, I've fulfilled this silly fourth commandment, now there's only nine commandments, you don't need to worry about this anymore. It doesn't exist. Does Jesus say that in your Bible? Because he does it in mine. The second thing he doesn't do is he doesn't look at them and say, come on, guys, even if we're breaking the rules, seriously, it's only tiny. It's like a little white lie. It wasn't that bad. Really? You see, that's what we're often willing to do. To acknowledge that, yes, something might be wrong, but it's so minor that let's just let it go by the wayside. Jesus doesn't do that. There's another thing, though, that Jesus doesn't do. He doesn't look at the Pharisees and do what perhaps most Reformed pastors would do. You know, your hermeneutics are off. Your interpretations are askew. You need a better way of studying, interpreting, and applying the Bible. Let me sit down and help you so that you can understand how to apply the Bible. He doesn't do any of this because, you see, Jesus here is taking an opportunity not merely to answer the charge, not merely to say what can and can't be done on a Sabbath. Jesus is taking an opportunity here to teach his disciples and you and me what it means to honor God and what the gift of God is in the Lord's day. 
You see, what Jesus does is He looks at them and He asks them a question. I find this very humorous. The Bible, I think, is is full of this kind of humor. You know, as we look through, Jesus' answers to questions are dynamite, aren't they? The Pharisees spend a week and a half trying to think of a question just in the perfect way to trip Him up. And He answers it so perfectly, they're put on the spot. Well, if His answers are dynamite, His questions are even better. He looks right at them and He says, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? Now, you have to understand this. There's no sarcasm in this, but this is the kind of question that a parent asks a child when they already know that the child knows the answer to the question. He's expecting an answer of yes. They're the Pharisees. What they do is study the Bible. And he's asking them about one of the famous stories in the Bible, how David was running from Saul and how he went to the priests at Nob. Of course they've read it. Now, but you see, the point that Jesus is making here is, you know, you've read this, haven't you? But do you understand what it was about? You read your Bible, but do you think about what it means for you? How the truth of God's Word should affect how you think, how you act. This is a lesson not just for Pharisees, but for you and for me. Have you read the story of David? This story is how David was hungry. He and those who were with him, they were on literally a mission from God. God had anointed David as the king of Israel, but Saul would have none of it. And Saul was chasing David all over the country. And David was running with his small band, trying to survive, trying to be God's minister to Israel. And as he was hungry, he came to a place and he said, Do you have anything to eat? And the priest said to David, Well, not really. All we have is the bread of the presence. The showbread, as it's called in older translations. And what the bread of the presence was, was each Lord's Day, each Sabbath, they would bake loaves and they would lay them out in the temple or the tabernacle at this time. And that would show the people that God provided for them, that He was their source. And a week would go by and they would bake fresh loaves and exchange the old, week old loaves for the new ones. And It was in God's law, a specific commandment in God's Word. Not an emanation, not a penumbra, not a rule. It was in God's Word that the only people that could eat those loaves of bread were the priests. Now, on some level, I guess unless you were famished, I'm not exactly sure that they would stand in line to eat week-old stale bread. But here, it's a matter of life and death. It's not recreation. David saying, I need to eat. And the priests say, if you're ceremony, ceremonially clean, yes, here, take and eat. Now what you have to understand is, Jesus asked the Pharisees if they read this, and of course they have, and the underlying question is, do you think David sinned? If not, why are you raising the issue? And if you do, why aren't you railing against David? Why aren't you railing against the priests? Whose side do you want to be on? The rule maker side? Or the king and priest of Israel?
God didn't strike them down. You see, Jesus is teaching them and us a principle that laws are not a means and end in themselves. God gives us laws, not arbitrarily, but for our own good. Could you imagine what the world would be like if you shall not steal did not exist as a law? You wouldn't be here. You'd be sitting in your house, on the couch, with a shotgun, trying to stop people from taking all your stuff. Could you imagine what life would be like if you shall not bear false witness was not a law? Everyone would lie to you all the time. Now, they do it enough anyway, even with the law, but you have to understand those laws are for our benefit. You see, here we have a clear example of a work of necessity. My choice is, strictly obey this law of God, or save life that is on a mission from God. You see, this is what Jesus is saying to them. He's saying the Sabbath is made for us, not us for the Sabbath. There isn't an arbitrary rule and we have to obey it just because it is like some kind of force of the universe. No, the Sabbath and its law is so that we might benefit and be blessed and know joy in the Lord. You see... The Pharisees had lost that completely. They were so bound up with trying to figure out how not to break the law, they'd forgotten the reason for the law in the first place. They were so focused upon the law that they lost the law giver. Because the law giver, beloved, is standing two feet in front of them and they can't see him. Does that temptation come to you? Are you so busy working for the kingdom that you lose sight of the joy of the kingdom? Are you so concerned with making your evangelism statements and pitch so perfectly that you lose a heart desire for the lost? You see, the laws are the servants of the king not the cage of the king. And so Jesus tells them the purpose of this Sabbath. Do you think they learned their lesson? No. Luke tells us that they didn't, because in verse 6, on another Sabbath, it might have been the next week even, on another Sabbath, Jesus enters the synagogue. And so there's another controversy. Now, don't lose sight of the details. What is Jesus doing on the Sabbath? Exactly what God intended. He's working and worshiping God. He's in the synagogue to worship the Lord and to help others understand who God is. And so he goes into the synagogue and he's in the middle of teaching. He's helping others. And Luke tells us there was a man who had a withered hand. And this is another example of how wonderful Luke is with details. We even know which hand it is. It's his right hand. Some of you that are right-handed know what it's like to have a problem with your right hand or your right shoulder, right? You have a cast on it. 
or you've cut it. What can you do? Pretty much nothing, right? You can't write. It's hard to eat. It's hard to do just about anything because you need that hand. Now imagine that your hand is, by withered we mean it is shrunken and gnarled up into a very tight ball, as it were, unable to be used. Now imagine you are a man who lives in Israel before the days of social security and welfare and charity. What can you do? How will you live? This is a man in desperate straits. He's in pain. He can't use his hand. He's embarrassed. He can't feed himself. He can't work for himself. This is a man who obviously, just from looking at him, cries out for help. He does not need 12 therapy sessions to find out what his problems are. This is a man who is obviously hurting. And the Pharisees are there at worship too, and they see Jesus, and they see the man, and they see his hand. And they look, and they say, you know, I've heard Jesus heals. I wonder if he could help this young man so that he might live a better life, right? Is that what your Bible says? No. They're seeing both of them, and they are saying, oh, I hope he heals him. I hope he does, because then we got him. Because healing on the Sabbath is clearly work. What? Well, they have more rules. And the rules were that you could heal someone, but, 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 only if it was life-threatening. If it could wait till tomorrow, it had to. Sorry, buddy. One more day with the bad hand. Come back to Jesus on Monday. Now think about this. They're sitting in the worship of God trying to plot to hurt Jesus and destroy the life of a man who's already in pain just so they can be right. Does that sound like good Sabbath day activity? You see, they're watching him. Luke gives us these details. Even the word that's used for watching Jesus is that kind of word that's used when you look at somebody like this. Out of the corner of your eye. I'm going to get him. Yeah, you go ahead. You just go over there and heal him. You go ahead, Jesus. Come on. Let's see it. I got the flag. I'm going to throw it on the ground. Yellow flag. Come on. You can see it. They're, they're plotting. They're scheming. They want Jesus to do something, not because it's good, but because they think they can use it to their advantage. They have absolutely no concern for this man at all. Jesus answers them again with another searching question. He looks at them and he says, here, man, come here. And he says, now which is to be done on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To heal or to do harm? Now, you have to understand, this is not a theoretical question. The Pharisees were used to that. They would sit in a circle and they would throw hypotheticals at each other. Jesus is saying, I've got this man standing right here next to me. What would you have me do? Good or evil? Heal or harm? Tell it to his face. What do you think? He brings it into crystal clear focus. And he looks at everyone. 
Because he's not just interested in the Pharisees. You have to understand a principle that Jesus will do over and over again is he will confront the Pharisees knowing that he is not going to change their minds, but that there are dozens around them that he needs to reach. So that's what he does. And he says, which is the lawful thing to do? And he cuts them to the heart and he basically says, if we're not about doing good, we are doing evil. If we're not healing, we're harming. There is a principle of mercy. And we know from parallel accounts in Matthew and Mark that Jesus quotes to them from the Old Testament that God desires mercy, not sacrifice. You see, Jesus says not only are there things that are necessary to do on the Sabbath, there are things that we must do to show mercy and love to others because the Sabbath is a day of mercy and joy and love. Not of rulemaking. It is a day that has its underlying principle that we give ourselves over to the Lord and to His joy and His blessing. And what He does is He performs an instant act of healing right in their midst. And now you can imagine when He says, stretch out your hand, if the Pharisees are right, what's going to happen? Nothing! Would God sin? If that were work, would God bless it? No! And so we don't have to wait for 30 seconds to find out who's right and who's wrong. Who knows the core of the law? Who is following God's law in all of its perfection and holiness? Not because He did whatever He wanted to do. Not because He decided the Sabbath commandment doesn't matter. Not because He wanted to be His own law unto Himself. But because Jesus Christ, the One who gave the law, understood that the law was a principle that required obedience, that we might seek after the Lord. And this is the final thing that we see this morning. The heart of the controversy is found in the hearts, in the story. The hard hearts of the Pharisees were revealed. What were they concerned about? You see, this wasn't about God's law. They weren't worried about how God's law was kept. They weren't concerned that God's honor was upheld and His righteousness and His sovereignty. No, what they were concerned about was that their power and rulemaking was upheld. They were the ones who would decide what God meant. That's what they wanted. They weren't about doing God's will, were they? They were sitting in the worship of God, not worshiping. Think about the reaction of them in the field. They were not going out doing the work of ministry. They weren't helping others. They weren't teaching the Scriptures. What they were doing was spying. Trying to trip up Jesus. They were trying as hard as they could to be negative. Think about their reaction to the healing. Now, this is an even clearer example It's right in front of them. And they miss it again. Jesus heals this man and they are filled with fury. This word here is that kind of anger. Maybe you've experienced it. It's when something happens that makes you so angry you cannot think straight. You can't even talk. You are furious. 
If you were a cartoon, smoke would be coming out of your ears. They can't even think. The ones who have 39 categories and 62 subcategories, they are so infuriated that a man has been healed that they cannot think straight. And they immediately begin to do something. You remember Jesus' question? Which is lawful? To do good or to do evil? To heal or to destroy? Do you know what they immediately begin to do? To plot in their heart to destroy. Luke hints at it here in verse 11. They discussed with one another what they might do with Jesus. Let me read through the lines for you by telling you what Matthew and Mark say explicitly. They went out and conspired with others as to how they could kill Him. They spend, in their minds, wonderful Sabbath day activity in plotting to kill a teacher of God because He dared have compassion on a man and heal him. You see, the problem is they become so blind to God. They become so self-focused, self-satisfied, that they can't see God around them. And this is something, beloved, that can happen to us. We may say to ourselves, well, we would never want someone not to get healed. But the question is, are we so introspective? Are we so concerned about our own selves, our own standing, that we lose sight of God and His mission? Do we begin slightly to think it's all about us? And God's somehow there to support that task. You see, this is how we know what the Sabbath is about. Their hard hearts are revealed. And the restorer of hands and hearts comes into our very midst. Why does Jesus enter these controversies? Couldn't He have avoided them? He does know an awful lot, doesn't He? Couldn't He have said, guys, let's wait till we take this left turn and we'll lose the Pharisees in the ditch and then you can eat. Couldn't He have said to the man, come by my house later? No. These things are happening because Jesus wants to teach us what a blessing and what the purpose of the Lord's Day is. And He wants us more than that to remember that He is the Lord of the Lord's Day. That's what He says in verse 5. The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. And that's more than just I get to make the rules. That is, I have given you this for your benefit and your joy. Now, do not hear from this that Jesus says you can do whatever you want. He's giving you freedom from yourselves. Go home today and do not do the laundry. Go home today and do not study. Get up early on Monday. Go home today and relax. Children, help mom around the table. You see, it's freeing, it's liberating. We get to pause in our lives and think of others to show mercy and love to others. That's the purpose of the day. And we can't do that if we're so wound up in ourselves and our own work and our own needs and our own joy. So God says, I'm going to give you a law. You don't have to say, you know, I really should go to the gym. It will be good for me. Well, but you know, no, it's a law. 
Follow God's law. He knows more about your joy and love than you do. Do we honor the Lord's Day? Do we honor the Lord in the Lord's Day just by what we do not do? Because you see, we can. And that's okay as far as it goes. But do we honor the Lord's Day by what we do? You see, showing mercy and compassion and love can be very hard work. It may mean going down to a hospital and visiting. It may mean going down to a retirement home and talking with people. It may mean helping someone who needs help with work around the house. You see, the Lord's Day is in its essence God saying to us that we must cease from ourselves and follow after Him. And if we do not jettison all the things that we worry and think about for that short period of time, we won't look up. Our eyes will be stuck down. The Lord of the Lord's Day has spoken to you. He desires you to follow God's law, but to do so in a way that captures the essence of it, with mercy, joy, and peace. Let's pray.